Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. You've already heard the text once. We will be reading parts of it as we go through the sermon. Well, think of the question, how much peace is there in this world? You look around, well, of course, we know about Ukraine. There's no peace there, is there? How about Syria? How about the Mideast in general? How about borders between India and Pakistan or China and Tibet or any of these other places around the world? Lots of conflict. Uh, And if you don't just find all-out war, there's tension, there's unrest, there's uh, dissatisfaction in the way things are. People have been working to find peace in many of these areas for years, for decades. In fact, in the case of the Middle East, it's been millennia already and still no peace. How do you bring peace to places like this? Well, our own country has tried different ways, haven't they? We've tried all-out invasion. Well, how did that work in uh, Iraq? or Afghanistan. Uh, We've tried uh, supporting rebels in Syria, Libya. We've tried supporting sitting governments like South Vietnam. How do those things work out? Or even, of course, now we're trying to support Ukraine. We've tried, well, I guess we kind of tried sitting, standing by and not doing anything. Not as much, but, uh, you know, like the war, the, the uh, conflicts between India and Pakistan, we pretty much let them, but, so has any of that brought peace in this world? That is not. Still no peace. Now, one of the things we as Christians have an advantage over other people is we know what the real source, the real basis of the problem is. The problem is, of course, sin. In a general way, whenever you break somebody's laws or hurt someone, you're going to destroy any peace that was there, aren't you? There's going to be feelings of fear and anger and, uh, that come up. And of course, the most basic level of this is uh, in our relationship with God. Where we have broken his laws, gone against him, we've all done that every day, and God is angry. But he's not just angry because he set up this law in you know, some capricious way, but you know, he gave us all these laws, perfect laws, for our good. So us that we can live in peace and harmony in this earth, that's what those laws are for, but when we break them, of course, then we destroy any kind of peace there was, especially destroy peace with God himself. And so then there are feelings of guilt and fear uh, that, that develop. And then that spills out into other people around us. Uh, whenever somebody does something wrong, breaks some laws, harms someone, what's the result of the relationship between those people? When kids break the rules of their parents, when we break the laws of society, uh, <coughs> All kinds of things happen. 
You get feelings of, of anger, you get feelings of revenge, feelings of uh, fear, hatred, all those things basically come back, come from sin. That sin has to be taken care of, has to be atoned for, for there, for there to be any peace. And of course, we also know that's exactly what Jesus came to this earth to do. He came to this earth to atone for our sins. He came to this earth and allowed himself to be arrested, to be crucified, to be subject to the anger of his own father, the abandonment of his own father because he was bearing the sins of the world, and then to finally die. But in that process, then he did actually make atonement for sin, paid for that sin, is wiped clean, and now God doesn't look at that anymore. And there is peace. He wants to declare, he says, I'm at peace with you. Everything is fine. It's been all wiped clean by Jesus Christ. The more we can learn to believe that this is true, the more we can have peace in our hearts. That God is at peace with us, and by believing in him, we are at peace with him. And then the more we can reflect that peace in our relationship with other people. Many people, of course, in this world do not know of this peace. They reject this peace if they do hear it, as we heard of the people in Israel in, in Ezekiel's time. They continue to live as enemies of God and, of course, are not at peace. They don't understand it fully, but that's the real basis of their problem. We have that peace, and we have the message of that peace that we can take to other people. How do we spread it? How do we speak it? How do we bring peace to other people? Our text that we just heard from the gospel talks about how Jesus sent forth 72 of his disciples, a bigger group than his normal 12, who had been following him, had learned his peace, to take his peace and bring it to villages in that area. Uh, they would go and take that piece uh, <clears throat> and work doing this for a time. And we learn, we can, if we take a look at this, we can learn how we can learn from how Jesus did this and sent them out, how then we can learn how to take peace to other people, how to bring peace to people. Well, first we read, reread verses 3 and 4 from our text. And Jesus, when he sent him out, he says, Go! I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. Oh, that sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? it? Sounds like he's trying to scare them. Going among lambs, among wolves? What chance does a lamb have among a pack of wolves? Not much, does he? Uh, and then don't take any provisions, and don't talk to anybody. Just go and, and, and do your work. Eat what is provided, put in front of you, and don't worry about it. Now, what is he trying to tell the people with this, these disciples? Well, these are disciples that had been following him for a while, had watched him perform miracles, giving food to you know, people when there wasn't any, and 
and healing people and so on. They should have understood. What he was really trying to teach them is, trust in me. Don't trust in yourselves. Don't trust in other people. Trust in me. I will take care of you as you go out and do the work that I have sent you. And that's the first step of taking peace to other people is to learn. Jesus invites you to trust him to take care of you. Jesus invites you to trust him to take care of you as you go about his work. Now, it would seem these disciples did just that. Seems they did go out and do just what he said. They went confidently forth into the towns they were assigned. I'm sure they, you know, they had assignments or whatever. It wasn't a kind of a random thing. And uh, they did not turn to the side or engage in you know, unnecessary conversation. It kind of reminds me of a wife of a member who told me once, the children were growing, but she said, you know, our children wouldn't, when their father would say, let's go, you know, go down into to the store and get some stuff, they didn't want to go with him. Why? Because they knew every time he met somebody, he probably knew that person, and he would have a conversation, he had to talk to them, and it would take forever for them to get back home. So they didn't want to go. (laughs) And that's the kind of thing Jesus wanted to prevent. You go, don't start talking with everybody along the side of the road. You go straight to where you're supposed to go to carry out your work. Um, They would go into the town, probably go to the marketplace, start talking to people, find somebody that would maybe invite them into their home. And then once they're in that home, they would say, peace to this house. Now, this is not just a casual greeting. It's based on the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace, but in a weightier way than, than our word peace. It includes wholeness and fullness and uh, <coughs> success or happiness. Uh, and it really includes the peace from God. Peace be with you. Peace that the bearer of that message the the disciples had in their hearts, the peace that God gives through the forgiveness of sins. Peace be with you. They were passing on that peace. Uh, They did not know how it would be received. It would take a certain amount of boldness, actually, to, to start that way. Sometimes it was not accepted. Sometimes the whole town would reject it. But sometimes it would be rejected, and the members of that house would say, oh, thank you for that peace. Tell us more. And then they would stay in that house. Uh, But it only got that far to where they were doing that because they trusted Jesus to take care of them to that point, to lead them to that place, to be able to speak those words, uh, even though they didn't know whether they'd be accepted or whether they'd be kicked out, uh, and that Jesus you know, would take care of them. And so they would be in the house and, and eat what was put before them. So the, the, the first step in bringing peace to people is to learn to trust the Lord that he will take care of you when you do this. And that flows from having that peace of God in your heart. Having accepted the fact God has forgiven your sins, given you peace, 
that passes all understanding, uh, and, and that can lead you to trust in God. And such faith, such trust, such faith comes from hearing about that peace, listening to him. You know, in our services, our services are designed to help that trust. You come first, you confess your sins, and you hear, your sins are forgiven. You have peace. Does that give you peace to know your sins are forgiven? God is no longer holding anything against you. Then you hear more about that peace and that forgiveness in different ways, through the readings, through the sermon, through the different parts of the liturgy. And then how does the service conclude? Yeah, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord give you peace from beginning to end. Our service is designed to strengthen that trust in God so that you have that peace to go out and talk to other people. And then you are confident you can go out, as these disciples did. In the next you know, part of bringing peace, we read again in verses 8 to 11 of our text, when you enter a town and are welcome to eat whatever is set before you, heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God is near. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to your feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. It's interesting to note that to people who are receptive and to people who reject the message, they're to tell the same thing. The kingdom of God is near. And this statement can be comforting or it can be scary. Now, when we talk about the kingdom of God being near, we're not talking about, you know, uh, an invading army so much as, uh, you know, like Alexander the Great or even the Russians or whatever. Though we might compare it to uh, the Allied forces entering Europe in World War II. For most of the people of Europe, when they heard that the Allied forces were coming, they rejoiced, didn't they? They were being freed from the power of the Nazis that had been ruling them. Now, to the Germans, of course, the announcement that the Allied forces are near was a scary thing, because they knew they would be uh, defeated. Uh, and this is the kind of message we can announce, that there's freedom coming. Uh, and this brings us to the, the second part of bringing peace to people. Announce the nearness of the kingdom of God. Now, first of all, you have to understand, God's kingdom, of course, is not a place. It is his rule. It is his ruling activity. Now, God's rule coming into to people means it's displacing the rule of something else. That's what happens when, when a conquering force comes. Uh, displacing the rule of God's enemies. The rule of the devil, the rule of sin, the rule of, of death. When God's rule comes, it displaces those things. It uh, conquers those sins. Sin has been removed. The guilt that sin brings the punishment that you face because of sin 
the power of sin over you in your life, it's all been taken away by God's rule. The devil is crushed. His power is conquered. And his grip on you is lost. Of course, we still have a sinful nature which sometimes still succumbs, but in general, that has been broken. And death itself. Now, we still face a form of death, but death now is not something scary because there's not eternal death on the other side. But for us who believe, there's heaven. Death becomes a door into eternal life in heaven. This is what the rule, the kingdom of God, the God's rule coming to us has meant for us. Uh, This is what the disciples were taking to these people in these various villages. Now, you too can take uh, this message, this peace to people. Now, you may not necessarily start with the words, the kingdom of God is near, but you could, because it does have, still has valid meaning. You could talk about what that kingdom, that rule means. You could tell people, the, the sin that's been weighing you down, that you, has been causing so much guilt, that's gone. Jesus has wiped that away. That rule is gone. You can tell them that <clears throat> Jesus you know, has not only died, but he has risen again. He has come to bring life. He will raise you from the dead on the last day. He will give you life and eternal life in heaven. Death has been conquered. And the devil has no power over you. You can announce all this to people because you have this peace yourself. You have trusted God, and now you can tell people the kingdom of God is near. Trust him, and you can have this peace too. But then we go on to see you know, what we should rejoice in. We, we reread verse 17 in our text. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. When the disciples, these 72 disciples came back to Jesus, they were really excited. They were excited, first of all, because demons had submitted to them. And they were very happy about it. They submitted in Jesus' name, of course. Now, for us in our day and age, the devil works in a different way. The devil tries to hide himself. We don't see demon possession around us because the devil works in a different way. But there are parts of the world, by the way, where he's still very much there uh, in visible ways. You know, I've, I've heard stories in Indonesia that just you know, make your toes curl about demon possession. And Christians there do not deny that these evil spirits exist, but that now they trust in Jesus who has power over them. And so in some parts of the world, this is still a very real thing. And for these disciples, that was so exciting to see that the demons fled before them. Of course, they were excited because they were able to perform miracles of healing. And I'm sure they were excited that people listened to their message and put their trust in Jesus too. And Jesus tells them, yeah, this exciting things have happened. We read, you know, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Uh, nothing will harm you. Yeah, this is exciting news. This was great. The devil has fallen. 
Every time the devil had to give up a person, that was a, the devil giving up his power. More important, of course, was that every time a person came to put his faith in Jesus in the gospel, that meant the devil lost his power over another soul, over another person. And this happened, well, in at least 35 villages where the 72 went out, 36 villages, the 72 went out two by two, maybe even more. The devil fell like lightning. But then Jesus goes on to say, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's what he said should make these disciples the most excited. Your name is written in heaven. Now, this isn't anything new, because these disciples have already believed before they went out. Um, they were already believers. Um, they were sent out on this mission because they were. But every time you see this working in a new person, then it's a time to reflect on your own. Oh, yeah, I have this gift of peace. I have life. My name is written in heaven. Uh, it's a good time to, to reflect on it and think about it, because that Jesus, that's the thing to rejoice in. And such rejoicing will have its effect on you, on the people that have it. Um, as other people see and feel that you rejoice that your name is written in heaven, you rejoice that you are at peace with God, this will be felt by other people. Now, especially as you're taking the message of peace to them. They can feel it and sense it in you. That's an important part of being able to take that peace to other people. Now, you and I will probably not have the opportunity to be involved in bringing peace, political peace or political or, or uh, military peace in this world. Well, maybe some of you do. I don't know. But we do have the peace of God, and we are able to bring that to other people. We're able to do that by trusting in the Lord that he will take care of us, by announcing that God's kingdom is near, that he is bringing actual peace to them, and by rejoicing that our names are written in heaven. Let us rejoice in and bring God's peace to others. Amen. Now, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.